Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, please. Luke chapter 13. I preached my whole introduction in the first two points this morning. I've only got one point tonight. I was only going to preach about 10 minutes, but Miss Mayo wanted me to preach about an hour and a half, so I'm going to oblige her tonight. She said, I'm leaving to go on vacation, and I just really don't want to go right now. I want you to preach a long time. And I said, okay, I'll definitely do that for you. Is that what you said, Miss Mayo? I, you know how words and stuff gets changed. What did you say? Going on vacation, you want me to preach quick? That was the wrong thing to say, woman. Preach about two hours. Who told you that? A little bird come down on my shoulder and told me that. Luke 13. Ah, this is going to be a short message, for real. I'm just going to preach this last point. I'm not going to re-preach this morning's message. If you missed it, you can go listen to it or watch it or whatever. Uh, but I do want to preach this third point, And then I want to just give God's people an opportunity tonight to do some popcorn testimonies. Amen. We don't do those enough. Just to stand up, brag on Jesus, sit down, let somebody else do it. And let's do a little bit of that tonight. But I do want to give you this last point. Stand with me, please. Luke chapter 13. Those just don't testify too long. Miss Mel needs to get on the road. I made her blush. Yes. Are you there? Luke 13. Verse 31, the same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Lord, help us tonight as we go back to these verses. I pray that you would or bring back what we heard this morning to our remembrance. And Lord, may the message tonight, the testimony tonight, be an encouragement and a blessing to God's people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. So just a quick recap. That word perfected in our text this morning. What does it mean? The word literally means, if you look it up, it means to make perfect. It means to complete it means to carry through completely. It means to finish, means to accomplish, and to bring to an end. And Jesus always finished what he started. Amen. As a matter of fact, his last words on the cross before he bowed his head and gave up the ghost was, die." it is finished. And he, meaning that the atonement, the sin sacrifice had been paid for, but there was one more step, there was one more event that needed to take place for the, the perfecting process to be completed, which is what I believe Jesus is referring to here in verse number 32. Of course, we, as we said this morning, he wasn't saying that he would be perfect. He already was perfect. He was the sinless son of God. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was without sin. He was the perfect, spotless sacrifice. The Old Testament sacrifices had to be without blemish and without spot. And Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. But when he said in verse number 32, the third day I shall be perfected, he was making a prophetic statement about the perfecting process that would take place Upon his resurrection, I believe with all my heart that that's what he's referring to here. Jesus, as I mentioned this morning, mentioned a lot the third day. He alluded to his future death and to his resurrection. 
And so this evening, I want to just quickly give you the first two points to remind you and then give you this last point. So on the third day, we're talking about the things that were perfected, that things that were perfected as a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number one, on the third day, the Savior's prophecies would be perfected. All of the prophecies, not just that Jesus made personally, but the prophecies that were made throughout Scripture would be um, fulfilled and perfected upon the resurrection. Uh, the psalmist David said that God would not see his Holy One, allow his Holy One to see corruption. And so we know that Jesus was in the grave three days, but he came forth and uh, he, he, was, uh, he was, had that glorified body. And uh, just an amazing story how that he had a glorified body. I don't understand how all of that works. In the upper room, as they were just singing, uh, they were there, they just sung that song about Thomas, where he fell down and said, my Lord and my God, Jesus appeared in the upper room. The doors were shut, probably dead bolted. Jesus just appeared in the middle of the room, came through the walls, came through the building. And that was the glorified body. How that works, I don't understand how you can see, touch, feel. He said, put your hand in, put your hand in my side. Thrust your hand into my side. Put your fingers into, into, my, into my hands. He had a physical body, and yet he, it, was not, it was not limited by physical barriers such as walls. That, that's, I believe that's the kind of body we're going to have when we get to heaven. We'll have a body, but we'll be able to, to move and we'll be able to do all kinds of amazing things. And, and uh, you know, he was able to eat on, on the shores there that day. Uh, he, he ate the fish. Like, how does somebody with a glorified body eat? Do they have a digestive system? How does that work? And they eat. And then when they go through the wall, where does the food go? Does the food go with them or does it stay there? I don't know how that works. That's how my mind works. When we get to heaven, there's going to be, there's going to be a fruit. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be a marriage supper. We're going to have a glorified body, but we're going to have food to eat. It's going to be amazing. I don't, I don't know how that works. If you figured all that out, you let me know. We'll write a book together and we'll get rich off of it. But he had a glorified body. But the point I want to make is that when he rose from the dead, that uh, the Savior's prophecies and all the prophecies in Scripture were fulfilled. They were perfected that day. They were completed, as the Word says. On the, the second point, I want you to notice, as we looked at this morning on the third day, salvation's plan was perfected. We talked about the importance of the resurrection in the plan of salvation. How that the scripture's clear that if Jesus be not risen from the dead, we are of all men most miserable. We're yet in our sins and those who have gone on before us, those that have died uh, are not, they're not, they're, they cannot have been saved if there is no such thing as the resurrection. And we gave the plan of salvation this morning out of the book of Romans that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You have to believe in the resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection in order to be saved. If you leave that resurrection out, you can't get saved because if you don't believe in the resurrection, we couldn't get saved if there was no resurrection. Right. Right. I want to, tonight, I want to give you this third point that I didn't get to this morning, and that is this. On the third day, sanctification's process would be perfected. When Jesus made the statement in Luke 13 that the third day I shall be perfected, I believe what he's saying is my mission, my job, my responsibility, what God sent me to do, what God called me to do on that third day will be perfected. It will be accomplished. It will be completed. And one of the things that happens as a result of the resurrection is that you and I as Christians can live in victory over sin. Amen. 
Now, I challenge you, if you want to spend, I'm talking about you want to spend some time in the Bible and you really want to drill down deep and have a good Bible study, study out the importance of the resurrection as it pertains to the doctrine of sanctification. It is absolutely fascinating. There's no way in the world I could, I could even expound it in a full message, much less in just 10 or 15 minutes. But I want to give you some verses tonight that I hope that will help you. Hebrews 10, verse 14, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. What about that? The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter number three, verse number 10, a verse we've been chewing on for a few weeks, said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now, what was he talking about? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Well, the Apostle Paul was obviously already saved, so he had already experienced salvation power, saving power. What was he talking about? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He says, I believe what he's saying is I want to fully tap in to the resurrection power that is available to the believer for us to be able to live victorious and crucify our flesh. That I may know him, I'm in Philippians 3, 10, 11, and 12, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm not there yet. I have not reached that ultimate stage of maturity and, 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 and completion as a believer. I've not attained. I still got room to grow. I still got areas in my life that I need to improve on, but I want to experience the fullness of the power of his resurrection because I know it's available. Yes, I know it's available. I was talking this morning with, with uh, the, family, the new family that joined this morning um, with, with Ron and Lauren and I told them, I said, you know, you, you guys just got saved and you're excited and the, the Christian life is all new and shiny and you're just, you're, just, you're just lapping it up. I said, don't stop. Don't ever stop. I said, I've been saved since I was four years old in 1976 and God is still knocking the rough edges off of me. He's still showing me things in my life. He's still showing me things I need to stop doing and start doing. And I said, just don't ever stop growing because until we get to heaven, there will be room for improvement in our life. But the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ made it possible for you and I to live a sanctified life. In Romans chapter number six and verse number four, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We saw eight Christians, eight believers, follow the Lord this morning in believers' baptism. And we say, raised to walk in newness of life. That's the verse that we just quoted, Romans 6, 4. What is he saying? Now that you've been saved, now that the Holy Spirit lives within you, you now have the power to live a new life, a resurrected life, a different life. The life we are to live as Christians are described as newness of life. The Bible says it over and over and over again. If you're saved, there'll be a change. Now, I didn't say that. God said that. 
raised to walk in newness of life. This is called the resurrected life. It's called the new life. It's called, this is experiencing the power of God in our daily life to deliver us from the old man. The old man was crucified with Christ and the old man was buried with Christ and then we were raised to walk in newness of life. Ephesians 2 says, you who were dead hath he quickened. We were made alive. And the new life that we live is different from the old one. Amen. First, second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There'll be a change. There'll be a transformation. And the filling of the Holy Spirit is available to the believer to help us walk in newness of life. The same Spirit, stay with me now. Don't fall off the wagon right here. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you and I. The same spirit, I'm gonna give you a Bible verse here. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead gives us victory over the flesh. You say, preacher, you just don't understand. I can't, I can't quit smoking. I can't quit drinking. I can't quit cussing. You just don't understand. I can't quit looking at pornography. You just don't understand. I can't quit lusting after people in my heart. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead You're telling me that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can't help you crucify your flesh and help you live victorious over sin. Is that what you're telling me? Because that's contrary to scripture. Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. He goes on to say in Romans chapter number six, Verse number 9, 10, and 11. Y'all look at these verses, Romans 6, 9, 10, 11. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He uses that word reckon. That's a good word. It's a math word. It's an accounting word. It's a business word. It literally means to count, to compute, to calculate, to take into account. That word reckon, he says, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Preacher, I just can't get victory over sin. You got math problems. You got math problems. You can't add. You can't, you can't compute. You can't calculate that when Jesus died on the cross and you got saved, your flesh was crucified with Christ. You just got to reckon yourself dead. <laughs> and you got to reckon yourself being resurrected to walk in newness of life. Over and over and over, the Bible's clear that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We are no longer under the dominion of sin. So we have the power. We have the provision. We have the picture. All of it right there. To live the sanctified Christian life because the resurrection of Jesus Christ made it so. So when Jesus said in the third day I shall be perfected, he was talking about his prophecies, he was talking about salvation's plan, and he was talking about sanctification's process. We can live a sanctified life because of the resurrection. Are y'all still following me? 
That's the message in a nutshell. Here, here's, here's the problem. We, we like talking about the resurrection when it's Jesus doing the resurrecting. We like talking about him coming out of the grave. We like talking about him being victorious over death, hell, and the grave. But what we don't want to hear is about how that you and I can also be victorious over death, hell, and the grave. We like reckon ourselves dead. You're still, you're still wrapped in grave clothes in your own mind if you're thinking that sin has control and dominion over you because it does not, if you're saved. If you're saved. The resurrection of Jesus Christ made it possible for you and I to live a sanctified life, spirit-filled, spirit-led, controlled by the Spirit. I was in a meeting one time a few years ago. I'll say this and I'm done. A few years ago, I was at a, in a meeting at a very well-known church and a, and a preacher got up and preached in the conference and said that you and I as believers today have access to resurrection power. And a very well-known preacher in that meeting took offense, took exception, made exception to that statement. And when I heard about it, I thought, well, that's what the Bible says. How many kinds of power are there? How many Holy Spirits are there? But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Is that what your Bible says? <clears throat> I said I was done, but I lied. Romans, Romans 8. I just want to read a couple of verses out of Romans 8 right quick. We're going to pass, pass the microphone around here and I'm going to do some testimonies. Verse, Romans 8. Look at verse number... Look at verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemning sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But we are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. We can just go on and on and on. The Bible's filled with references to the importance of the believer recognizing that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwelleth in us. And when we walk in the Spirit and we yield to the Spirit, we can live the sanctified Christian life because of the resurrection. Good stuff. Deep, deep stuff. Deep biblical truths in the Scriptures this morning. But when Jesus in Luke chapter 13 said, you tell that old fox... You see Harry, you tell that old fox, he can't touch me. His daddy tried to kill me when I was a baby and that didn't work out. He can't, he can't take me out till it's time. I know where I'm supposed to die, when I'm supposed to die, and how I'm supposed to die. And it's not going to be here and it's not going to be today and it's not going to be from him. 
I'm going to just keep on doing what I'm doing. I'm going to cast out devils today, and I'm going to go heal some people tomorrow, and then on the third day, I'll be perfected. What was he talking about? Only when God says it's, it's finished will it be finished, and not before. But on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whew, boy, some things happened that changed history, did it not? Amen. Praise the Lord for that perfecting, perfecting process. All right, Brother Matt, you and Brother Josh, y'all come grab these microphones, and uh, we're going to just pass them around, take a couple of testimonies here tonight, 